Lifestyle, where we explore the daily pursuits of self-reliance, natural living, and ecological thinking. I'm Sam Sycamore, coming to you from my humble homestead outpost in rural Simpsonville, Kentucky, on a frigid yet sunny winter morning. Today I want to talk about the idea of voluntary simplicity, what it is, why it's worth considering, how to put it into practice, and what kinds of things we discover after we've integrated it. Our culture teaches us to be proud of achieving a perpetual state of induced busyness, always stressed, always in a hurry, always running behind, always juggling too many tasks simultaneously. Why? To feed our grotesque, insatiable economy and keep the wheels of our own servitude spinning. And what do we get for it? Anxiety, frustration, disappointment, exhaustion, helplessness, and the unshakable feeling that we've lost something profound. That thing we've lost, I'd call it autonomy, as in, quote, the condition of self-government, end quote, or, quote, freedom from external control or influence, end quote. The state dictates how we allocate essentially all of our time, leaving us with but a few scattered moments throughout any given day to catch our breaths and observe the hurricane of our artificially busy lives passing us by. Wouldn't you prefer to slow down? To spend less time working a job and more time working on projects of personal interest that don't necessarily generate money? To reduce or eliminate expenditures in order to stay home and cultivate a sense of belonging with your community and your surroundings? Well, first I've got some bad news. In our modern era, there's no such thing as a fully autonomous lifestyle, free from the government's implicit threat of violence. As long as you continue to breathe, you will pay taxes or be punished. So how then do we resist the encroachment of the state and its corporate allies into our personal lives and reclaim some sense of autonomy? Well, one way we can do it is by minimizing our interactions with the market economy and embracing a lifestyle of voluntary simplicity. As a movement, the idea of simple living arose over the last few decades in response to the hyper-consumer culture that began to dominate the landscape by the 1980s. In his book Voluntary Simplicity, Dwayne Elgin defines the concept as, quote, a manner of living that is outwardly simple and inwardly rich, a deliberate choice to live with less in the belief that more life will be returned to us in the process, end quote. What are we simplifying? Ultimately, it's a matter of removing the material clutter and the unnecessary distractions from our lives so that we can free up the space, both literal and figurative, to pursue a more meaningful lifestyle based on values and relationships rather than consumption and economic exchange. Sounds simple enough, but what it implies about how we organize our culture and interact with our environments is profound. Voluntary simplicity involves a critical examination of both yourself and your culture, your personal habits and predilections, as well as the customs and traditions that you were born into. You have to be unflinchingly honest with yourself about your needs and desires, as well as your ability to provide these things for yourself or else go without. I stress the fact that it's up to you to work these things out because everybody's idea of simplicity looks a little different and it can change over time. For one person, it might mean downsizing their living space and selling one of their cars. For another person, it might involve giving away all of their possessions and living out of a suitcase. We all have different sets of complexities tangled up in our lives and different reasons for wanting to unravel them. There are lots of good reasons to move toward a life of intentional simplicity. 
whether personal, social, political, or ecological. My reasons encompass all of these spheres. Personally, I see it as a means of slowly but surely undoing the insidious process of domestication and breaking the shackles of habitual consumption that bind us to a destructive and unsustainable culture. To embrace simple living means to place distance between ourselves and the hyper-consumerist paradigm that surrounds us. I say that we distance ourselves rather than reject the paradigm because, as I mentioned before, a flat-out rejection is just not possible. Forget off-grid living. Grid or no grid, you're still beholden to the whims of the state that rules over whatever place you're occupying. As captive domesticated humans, we are not allowed to leave civilization. Where would we go? Antarctica? The moon? The few remaining hunter-gatherer cultures surely wouldn't have us. And even if we did possess all of the skills required for wilderness survival, and there was a piece of land that we could occupy... The fact is that human civilization has wiped out the vast majority of wild foods that we would need for subsistence. We can't opt out of civilization, but we can choose to pursue a life of simplicity that aims to minimize our interactions with the forces of destruction and exploitation. To distance ourselves from the materialism of the modern world implies that this distance comes in degrees, and that it can be literal as well as figurative. Rural living is the most obvious expression of voluntary simplicity, as physical distance from the amenities of the city forces you to be more clever and creative in solving problems and addressing material needs. When running out to the store on a whim is no longer an option, the acquisition of material goods slows to a crawl and more value is placed on the proper care of high-quality materials than the frequent, habitual purchasing of cheap goods meant to be trashed and replaced. But you don't need farmland or a cabin in the woods to distance yourself from these external forces. Think about all the ways in which you might be plugged in. TV, internet, social media, smartphones, podcasts, (laughs) computers. Those are just the tip of the iceberg. What about the food you buy from the supermarket? The clothing you purchase from the mall? The pharmaceutical drugs you take when you're sick? The fossil fuels you fill your car up with? Look, I'm not saying it's all or nothing when it comes to engaging with these external influences. It's worth pointing out once again that you don't have a choice to opt out fully in most cases, but you do have an obligation to critically assess your relationship with these forces and make a conscious decision about how and how much you'll interact with them. For example... My wife Brooke and I, we don't have an internet connection at home. We're not opposed to the internet. You wouldn't be hearing any of this if that were the case. But we made a reasoned decision not to invite the internet into our house because we both know how intoxicating and addicting it can be when left unchecked. And in any case, the last thing we want to do is give money to the abusive, bloated monopolies that offer this service. So now that we've worked our way through a philosophical understanding of voluntary simplicity... I want to offer some guidance for putting this theory into practice. As I mentioned earlier, every individual solution to the question of wither simplicity is going to look a little different, but there are nonetheless some common threads I see that run through the lifestyles of most intentionally simple people. Conceptually, voluntary simplicity overlaps in many ways with the pursuit of self-reliance, 
because if you can make it yourself or do it yourself, then you probably don't need to complicate your life with so many external influences. But in any case, the way I see it, there are two major areas that we all ought to simplify. Material life and daily life, and that includes work habits. Though by no means comprehensive, here's what I would advise to get you started. As for material life, make an effort to get by with less of everything you use or purchase from day to day. Reduce unnecessary expenditures. Avoid debt like the plague that it is. Don't spend beyond your means. Produce your own food, hunt and forage wild foods, trade or barter whenever possible to reduce the flow of cash between individuals, maintain and repair rather than replacing things, purchase high quality goods that will last a long time, learn how to build or fix it yourself, whatever it is, buy used, recycle or salvage whenever possible, and resist the urge to constantly upgrade or adopt the latest gadget. As for daily life, this is a big one for me, avoid the corporate rat race at all costs (laughs) and avoid any job that demands an unreasonable amount of your time. Now, what is unreasonable? Well, that's up to you to decide. Only work as many hours as necessary to support yourself and your family. Consider options for making money on your own outside of your job. Minimize your commute between work and home if possible. Restrict the use of electronics to certain times of the day, and favor face-to-face exchanges over electronic communication. Avoid addictive habitual purchases like coffee, lunch from fast food joints, and similarly, cook your own meals. And just in general, prioritize activities that don't involve making or spending money. What most people find on this journey is, though they might desire a great deal, they really don't need much. And providing those basic needs for themselves is far more preferable than passively accepting whatever the consumer culture gives them. And letting go of those material desires can have a profound impact on a person's perception of their quality of life. When we discover that we truly need very little, then we are finally able to revel in the magnificent abundance of the natural world. That's the step I think many people interested in voluntary simplicity, minimalism, and other similar concepts miss. And yet, it's the logical conclusion that follows from removing burdensome clutter and toxic cultural detritus from our lives. Abundance is a state of mind. You're always surrounded by a wealth of beauty, love, and nourishment, if you know how to look. Fear of scarcity leads us down the path of overconsumption, and we become blinded by our possessions, somehow convinced that they reflect our identities in some meaningful way. But if we tear down the wall of objects blocking our view, we can see the sun rising through the window every morning. We can never possess it, which means we don't have to tend to it, but it will always provide us with more than we could ever need. How fortunate are we? Thanks for listening to this episode of Permaculture Lifestyle. This podcast is an extension of the blog, permaculturelifestyle.com, where my wife and I publish our writings about lifestyle design, 
health and wellness, producing your own food, and learning the skills and traditions of living in tune with the rhythms of the natural world. Check it out. I think you'll dig it. All music you heard today was composed by yours truly under the name Airplane Jumper. And you can find some of that music over at airplanejumper.bandcamp.com. If you enjoyed today's show, please do us a favor and rate, review, share and follow on social media, and tell your friends. And please don't hesitate to get in touch with us if you have any questions, comments, or any kind of feedback. Look for the Contact Us link at the bottom of the website. Until next time, this is Sam Sycamore reminding you that a world of abundance is waiting right outside your door. Are you ready to step out? <laughs>